are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. It's a midweek edition. Sam and Steve are here for you. What's going on, Sam? Steve, a one and four Yankees road trip turned into a five and four Yankees road trip. No complaints for me. The Oakland series was not looking pretty and did not end up pretty. But the Yankees took two or three from what many think is the best team in baseball in the Los Angeles Dodgers in their home park. And then went on to sweep the Seattle Mariners in convincing fashion. Coming back home, never have to go out west again in the 2019 regular season. But I'm feeling really, really good. It's hard not to feel good. 41 games over 500. The Yankees just finished beating the the Mariners on, on Wednesday afternoon. It was James Paxson versus Justice Sheffield. Brian Cashman's legacy on the line. The two men traded for each other going for it. And, and Paxson pitched okay. But but as you said, we're, we're just going to ignore Oakland. No, nothing nothing happened in Oakland. The Yankees didn't go out there and play in Oakland. It's fine. They were this this West Coast trip started in uh in LA with the Dodgers, a classic matchup and then finishing up here with Seattle. Um so let's just kick it off right with this this players Players weekend is kind of the first thing here. Yankees-Dodgers, and they wore two of the more classic uniforms in all of sports. And they wore these disgusting things all weekend. Uh, I'm fine with the nicknames and stuff, but the all-black and the all-white was just, uh, I don't know, I couldn't do it. It was tough to watch. (laughs) Horrible all-around baseball. I mean, normally the Players Weekend uniforms have been good. They've used the same ones the last two years for the Yankees, if I remember correctly. They at least resembled their colors. They had a little bit of a feel for the original Yankees uniforms. Of course, they weren't the original, but they at least, they felt like a batting practice jersey. I'll put it at that. Like they were wearing batting practice jerseys the last two years in 2017 and 2018. These things were just a disgrace. I mean, pitch black <laughs> and all white. It went from the cap all the way down to the pants. But the, I mean, the, these things were absolutely disgusting. The MLB should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> they should have somebody design a better jersey than these things. There were people that were I was talking to that were saying that they get, literally had no idea which team was which. Like, if you were at a bar just kind of watching it and you weren't that close to a TV... You had no idea which team was which. Uh, so I think that was – and then the pitchers wearing the black hats because the white hats would, could you know, get in the way of the ball and, and the vision of the, of the play. I mean, it was just unbelievable all around. A miss, I feel like, for, for Major League Baseball here. They're getting too cute here. Um, yeah, I'm sure it makes them a couple extra bucks and whatnot. And honestly, it does get everybody talking on Twitter and around the world about these jerseys. Um, so maybe that's what that was MLB's intention. But it took away from – for what was a kind of important series for both teams. Um, both are, you know, kind of a World Series aspirations. This could have been a World Series preview. Um, and the Yankees did work. And they did work on you know, all aspects of it. Hitting, coming out right out the gate, putting up 10 runs versus the, you know, favorite in the Cy Young for, in the NL for the Cy Young. I mean, Ryu's awesome. The Yankees hit, what, four home runs off him? He's given up uh, three earned runs the entire 
season or something ridiculous in Dodger Stadium, and the Yankees blew past that. Um, and then again, Kershaw Sunday night, uh, just having all around good at bats versus really good pitchers. Kershaw doesn't give up home runs off the curveball, and LeMahieu and Judge sent bombs off Kershaw's curveball. Um, so that, you know, this was a this was a fun series, and a, a, but also kind of an important series as the Yankees kind of gauge where they are um, against a, a team that's not really getting too much competition out in the NL. But the Dodgers are really good, and the Dodgers have really good pitching. And the, Yanke- the Yankees, it didn't seem like they cared, and they, they they put the damage done. Yeah, you're right. On Friday night, it was a surprise 60th birthday party for my mom. Happy birthday, mom. And so, so I really wasn't keeping up with the game, but I was getting the alerts on my phone that were coming through on my watch. And I see 2-1, and then I see Didi Gregorius grand slam. And that was one of two home runs for Didi on the night. And... I was texting my buddy. I was like, you know, the party should be winding down around 10 o'clock, you know, get to watch the game. Went a little later than that, but really just, he he was telling me, he was like, don't worry about watching the game tonight because Ryu is almost unhittable at Dodger Stadium. He has been. Yeah. And look what the Yankees did to him out there. And I kind of had a feeling that rough him up. No offense. You did? Oh, I didn't. I thought we were going to get shut out. No offense to Ryu or what the what he's done this season. He's had a fantastic season. But like you said, Steve, the Dodgers have not faced much competition in the National League. I mean, really only I really only consider the Braves a you know, a top tier team in all of major league baseball in the National League other than the Dodgers. And well, really, that's about it. You look over to the AL and, and how many teams are twenty games over five hundred? You got the Yankees, the Rays, the Twins, the Indians, Astros, Astros, the Athletics. You got six teams in the AL, at least twenty games over five hundred. You have two in the National League. I mean, I kind of had a feeling they were going to get to them. And then Saturday's game, we'll get into this. How about that fiasco in the ninth inning when the Yankees, (laughs) the MLB, came out and said they should have had the tying run? And the time should not have been called. And it's, I, I mean, mean he just kind of came out and said, sorry, not sorry. There's not much they could do there. I guess the Yankees could protest it and see what happens. But I mean, watching it, watching it live, you, I mean, honestly, I did see Jansen put his hands up and I was like, all right, whatever. He put his hands up. That's usually it. But then I also thought Torres was still on the bag. And then when you see all the different replays and going out there, like, you can't just call timeout just because you want to. I mean, I get that that's kind of what they, they're all trying to do here, but the umps just it, – it's what? The sixth, seventh time the Yankee, these have gotten burned by just bad calls from the umps, unchallengeable calls by the by the umps. Um, you know, this kind of seems like a, a scenario where it, it should be challenged. I could see this being added into um, into it, the challenge replay system as you go into next year because, as you said – just because a player puts his arm up doesn't mean the rest of the team, the rest of the players need to stop. Until there's a, a very loud verbal um, and motion from the ump, you know it doesn't. It, you don't stop playing here. And he had Torres got it. He's had some bad base running blunders this season, Glaber. But this was a heads up call, and it would have tied the game. You, you never know if the Yankees win that game. The, the Yankees go on to lose it here. But one of we're almost double digits here of the umps just kind of fucking over the Yankees here and the Yankees had every right to be mad. 
Yeah, they did. And, and you know, they couldn't get one run in with bases loaded, one out. Talkman struck yeah. out. Sanchez struck out. So you also kind of look at how you also have to look at what you can control. This is what I say about all types of officiating, no matter what sport. You got to look at what you can control. And going away from the call from the umpire, bottom line is the Yankees had a chance to tie the game by getting one run with bases loaded and nobody out. And they struck out both at bats. So what you can control there is hitting a sack fly or getting a base hit or a home run. And the Yankees got nothing of that. But they bounced right back on Sunday. DJ LeMayhew with a first inning leadoff home run. That just kind of set the tone for the rest of the night. The Yankees only scored three times off of Kershaw and each were solo home runs. Uh, LeMayhew, Judge, and Ford. Fun fact, Steve. Their last four games, one against the Dodgers and three against the Mariners, the Yankees have a first-inning home run in each of those games. So, you know, really getting going in each of these games is really, really but a plus. Yeah, and that's something that we've kind of mentioned on the other side of things about the Yankees starting pitching is that, you know, they can't they, they often are giving up these first-inning runs and putting the team in a hole, whereas you said here it's complete opposite. The Yankees' bats have given the Yankees' pitching – uh, the lead early, and that they, that goes into a you know a, a different mentality for the pitchers, knowing that you have an early lead getting out there, um, like it happened to you know Wednesday here. You know Paxton has had some serious struggles in the first innings. It's nice that he had a two nothing lead before he took the mound, um, and then back to the, you know it kind of leads to that way. The Dodgers are really good offensively uh, as well, and all the talk about the the Yankees starting pitching, you know, it's going to be the downfall of them. What happens when they get lined up versus, you know, elite starting pitching of the Astros, for example, here? Well, they were lined up against high-end pitching this this weekend. And and Paxton went um, on Friday, six and two-thirds innings uh, and two earned runs, 11 strikeouts. He looked awesome versus the Dodgers. CC Saturday, uh, they took the loss, but CC four innings, two earned runs. You know, that's probably what you're expecting out of CC for the most part here. We had seven strikeouts. I'll take that all the time from CC, four innings, two runs at this point in his career. And then Domingo Herman versus Kershaw, Sunday night baseball, six innings, one earned run. That's 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 what you, that's all you need from pitch, a starting pitching staff looking into the playoffs. If you get those, um, you know, not saying these, but if that's flipped that around, like Herman game one, Paxton game two, and maybe like CC game three, depending on you know who's been used in the previous series or whatnot, I'll take that every time from all three of those guys. So the the, the starting pitching really has uh, did what they were told. The Yankees, you know, getting all the shit. For, for not making the move, and that still could be the wrong move. But right now, the, the starting pitching is starting to turn around at the right time. It really is, Steve. And the last guy you mentioned, Herman, I mentioned it in an article last week. It does not look like he's going to be on an innings count this year. Brendan nope. Cuddy, I put that tweet in, in my article, Brendan Cuddy of NJ.com, saying that, that Severino jumped 193 innings from 2016 to 2017. And he wanted to mention big jumps happen. And with Herman at 26 years old, it does not look like uh, they are going to limit uh, his innings this year. One thing I want to point out, and it was in today's game, James Paxton uh, hit the showers after five innings and two earned runs. He only was at 86 pitches. The Yankees with Luis Severino and Jordan Montgomery also now making a start in AAA this weekend. I'm wondering if they're 
going to look to limit Paxton going down the stretch. You know, there's been all this speculation about his innings. Or there was a lot of speculation about his innings and his workload when he came to the Yankees uh, in November. Being pulled at 86 pitches today when he went five innings and two runs, I'm thinking they may be looking down that road, but is it the right move? I think you need Paxton really down the stretch because I believe the Yankees really need home field advantage in these playoffs. You look at the starting pitcher splits at home and on the road, the, the road ERAs are through the roof while the home ERAs are a lot more reasonable. I'm wondering if they're looking to take the workload off Paxton, if we can see Severino and Montgomery not only take some of Hap and maybe Herman's innings, but maybe take some of Paxton's. Yeah, I did notice the 86 pitches there. I wasn't too – he was a little wild. I think he had, you know, five, six walks uh, and still, as you said, only 86 pitches. Um, I think this was more of getting the bullpen some work. And I know we talk about it all the time about the bullpen being overworked, but Tanaka went on Tuesday and it was Tanaka straight to Sessa, seven innings, two innings, easy win. Um, and then day off on Thursday, um, I could see that Boone didn't want to give everybody three full days off. So he kind of went back in, into the, the you know the the well there with, with Paxton there, and you got Green got an inning, um, and Green and Anavito getting an inning, and then you go to Corey, uh, what's his name, the the toe tap guy uh, for an inning there too, just to kind of close it out. So uh, I, I think it was a little bit of both. You know, we're like all right, Paxton, we got the five innings, two runs, um, but he he could have came out for the six because the Yankees did have a, a, you know a, a six two lead at that point, um, but I think it was kind of trying to get some of the bullpen some more work here. Um, Sam, another thing that to finish up on the starting pitching here, phenomenal job by Tanaka Tuesday took advantage. I mean, look, the, the Mariners suck. We all kind of know that, but he looked great versus them. That new splitter grip he's got is starting to really work. Um, the two bigger guys that the Yankees were screamed at for not making deadline deals, Marcus Stroman and, and Trevor Bauer. Since the deadline, uh, Stroman just under five ERA. And Bauer is is pushing eight in his few starts with with Cincinnati here. Meanwhile, Tanaka three point three, Paxton three point five, and Herman three point eight. So I think that's hey, you never know the trades. The trades you don't make sometimes are better than the trades you do make, and that's kind of what Cashman's philosophy has been the past year or two here. Um, but it, it, it's nice to see that so far it's only been you know one month. The starting pitching has backed up Cashman's uh, decision to not overpay and go for a starting pitching at the deadline. Yeah, Stephen, I said in a, in a deadline piece that I wrote, you know, 24 hours after it ended, the bottom line is deal or no deal, the Yankees needed their own guys to pitch better. And I specifically singled out Tanaka, Paxton, and Hap. Hap right now is a lost cause. We don't see him on any postseason roster. I've seen you tweet about it, and, yep. and we've both written about it. Uh, Tanaka and Paxton have definitely picked it up since the trade deadline. And like I said, deal or no deal, and it ended up being no deal for the Yankees. They needed their own guys to pitch better. And the numbers you just read tell the whole tale. They have pitched a lot better and there's help on the way Severino no setback he's rehabbing in Scranton this weekend Jordan Montgomery 
a guy who a lot of Yankees fans have forgotten about, but let's not kid ourselves. This guy had a sub-40 ERA and just under 30 starts as a rookie pitching in the American League East in 2017. So don't write off Jordan Montgomery. He could provide valuable innings in September. So as I said, the, the biggest key of the deadline was that the Yankees needed their own guys to start pitching better and that they needed guys like Severino to um, to come back from injury and that they needed somebody to fill in for Herman when his innings count got up. But like we said, it does not look like Herman will be on yeah. an innings count this year. So that point I made a couple of weeks ago is um, irrelevant right now. But th- those those are the numbers. And like you said, I saw as the Mets continue their free-for-all collapse going on right now, that Stroman's ERA is kissing five at 4.91. And Trevor Bauer, I really don't even hear about him anymore. In Cincinnati, it's kind of where players just go as, yeah, you know, totally. as a cast-off, uh, you know, pushing eight. So, as we said, and we'll revisit the deal or the no deal decision that Brian Cashman made, he kind of had his hands tied on a lot of this, besides Stroman, who I thought he would have liked to have had. The Astros getting Granky. Granky had the no trade to the Yankees. And then the Indians came out and said, or Jim Bowden reported, that they were not trading him to a fellow American League contender. So, that's you know the Yankees made no deal but since the trade deadline their own guys have been pitching better as you said and that was the biggest key to all of this it was it was and it's got to continue you know September here you know they're you got a 10 game lead in the AL East um you gotta you know find ways to stay focused and get that home field I wrote about today what the what as we as fans should be looking forward to in September because the games kind of can get a little boring when you've got a big lead here and that's not just being cocky it's just like hey there's, there's other shit going on. Um, and then the biggest thing, I think, is that the pitching health, as you mentioned, with Severino, Batanzas, and Montgomery. Um, Montgomery is currently the leader of this in the rehab process, but he also has had the biggest injury with Tommy John. Uh, Severino's going to pitch Sunday. He's going to pitch, uh, throw another simulated game Sunday, I, I believe, and then he's going to go um, and then do his minor league rehab. The biggest issue for both Severino and Batanzas is the minor league season's ending. Uh, you know, playoffs start, I think, the September 3rd or September 4th for most leagues. So if they do come back, it's, they could come back pretty early in mid-September, but it's also kind of worth knowing that they, they're not going to have that really that minor league rehab that we expect, the three to four starts that you know Severino needs, the five to seven appearances that, that Dylan might take. So we'll got to keep an eye on them and, and see what happens here. But Tanzas is uh, he's about one step back, I think, of Severino, but as a reliever, it could be less time. He's going to throw again um, this afternoon. He was supposed to throw again. I haven't seen any reports about any hiccups like that. And then he could be following Severino on that rehab assignment. So it, it's going to be great to see both these guys come back. But Severino, for me, 70, 80 pitches. He could do kind of what that four innings that, that Sabathia had um, on Saturday versus the Dodgers, you know, four innings, one run. And then kick it to the bullpen here. And that bullpen could now be, you know, if you don't want to leverage Batanzas in these high leverage situations, you get Batanzas in the fifth, Kayleen in the sixth, um, Adovino in the seventh, Britain in the eighth, and uh, 
Chapman in the ninth. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. And you can mix and match how you go there, and you could throw in Chad Green if you need to. So there's just a lot of um, situations here that, that are helping. And right now, starting pitching, like we said, is getting better, and they're getting healthier in the bullpen and in starting in, in the rotation. So it, it's going to be dangerous. The Yankees are got a lot to do in September, so they're ready for October, and that's what we should be looking for because getting getting two all-stars and Severino Matanzas back in September is a game changer for any set of arms in baseball. Quick, funny story before I get into the baseball side of things. It was reported yesterday by, as I saw from a lot of beat writers that Severino was supposed to pitch on Sunday and or excuse me, Severino was supposed to pitch Sunday in Trenton. Trenton happens yeah. to be a 30 minute drive for me right up to 95. So what did I do? I don't have anything to do on a Sunday night. <laughs> I went out and bought two tickets. They cost to be $27. I mean, at $22, $27 you can do a lot of things with. <laughs> um, but now, today, it's that he's going to Scranton instead. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what to do now. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the StubHub game for a Trenton Thunder Labor Day tickets is looking like. Yeah, I mean, just horrendous stuff you hate to see. Um, but. but I thought that was a funny story to share. But like you said, and I've speculated what Severino's role is going to be when he comes back, and I think you hit the uh, you hit the head with the you're, you hit the nail with the head. <laughs> there there. we go. There it is. <laughs> you hit the nail with the head there, saying I think it's going to be seventy to eighty pitches. He gets. You know, two, two and a half turns through the order, and then he um, hands it over to the bullpen. I said if they limited Herman's innings again, looks like they're not going to do that now. That I speculated in a piece that those two could pitch in the same playoff game. Doesn't look like that's going to happen right now, but again, I could see him four or five innings, 70 to 80 pitches. Keep in mind in the wild card game, last year against the athletics he only went four innings i think the yankees told him before the game like look empty the tank one time through the order or two times through the order get us through three or four innings and the bullpen will take it from there but well, that could be the case for all stars at this point our bullpen's so deep that that should be for everyone i don't even if it's you know i think tanaka we'd like to see go a little longer but for for paxton and paxton and herman like yeah, give me four innings. That's all I need. They, the Yankees can mix and match, and they can have guys go two innings if needed here and there from the bullpen if they don't want to use everybody. But, like, that's it's not just a Severino here limit. You know, looking to – yes, I would love a seven-inning shutout, you know, or something that you know, Tanaka's given us in the past. But for all pitchers, it, with the way that baseball is set up now, just give me four innings, and then we got, the, we got a stealth bullpen just to come out here and get the other five. That's fine with me. I am a little worried about the bullpen appearances, though. I don't want to overwork the bullpen. Come um, October, I don't care. I mean, don't do, you save it in September. Save the bullpen a little bit. Like, you know, keep having these randos pop up here for one or two appearances to close out games. But um, once October comes around, I don't care. Get me, that, get me that title. I don't care if you're pitching. You know, the Yankees are the only team in baseball that hasn't had a reliever go three, um, three days in a row. And, and so Booney has been preparing a little bit for that. I was surprised to see that the Yankees were the only team that had that all, all year in baseball so far. 
Yeah, and he manages a great bullpen, but I'm just worried about the appearances maybe down the stretch. And, you know, in the playoffs, you play consecutive days. You mm-hmm. get worn off day in between games. And the weather in October also is an ideal. It's easy to pitch in these warm weather games than it is to, you know, pitch For in sure. a game that is 55 degrees starting at 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon in the Bronx. So... I wonder how that's managed down the stretch. You know, they're getting guys rest here and there. Chapman hasn't gone since Monday. The Yankees have an off day tomorrow. So he'll go three full days in between games. Boone, I fully trust Boone when it comes to managing the bullpen. But (laughs) you might get your head cut off for saying that. (laughs) I believe you. I'm with you. But that's just not something that people publicly say and that's crazy but he has done a nice job the Yankees haven't lost a game when the four horsemen have come in and pitched if it's you know um Kayleen Anavito Britton and Chapman if all four of them pitch in the same game it's a guaranteed win so far like that's crazy and you gotta limit what you know in September limit when those four guys pitch here pitch two one day pitch two another day you know Chapman's collecting saves here and there but you know give a save opportunity to Britton and let Chapman get the extra day or you know do the, you know, kind of vice versa here. We'll probably see a little more of Luis Sessa in September going two, three innings here. And then they hopefully work in Batanzas. You know, Batanzas is going to be coming off an injury, but also coming off of a zero innings pitch so far this year. So his arm hopefully is ready to light it up. And, you know, we've seen Dylan go two innings many times in his career. So that could be something we can see in the future too. Yeah, you're right. And, this bullpen workload thing, you know, you say use two one day, use two the next, how they're going to manage it down the stretch here. And like I said, I have full confidence in Boone. It's going to come down to do they really want this home field advantage? Are they going to go all out in September? Obviously, the division is very, very close to being wrapped up. The Yankees' magic number right now is 18. It could be 17 by the end of play on today, Tuesday, or excuse me, Wednesday, Wednesday August, <laughs> uh, I believe it is the 28th. See what happens when we don't record on Monday night, Sam? We have no idea what day of the week it is. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Uh, so, so it could be 17 by the end of play on, on Wednesday, August 28th. It's the, the bullpen workload and how these guys, the, the big horses in Adovino, Canely, Britton, and Chapman, are going to be used if if their workload's limited. They're going to be sending the message that, that home field isn't a must for them, and, and that these guys being at full strength come October is the real goal. But I don't expect that to be the case. I think the Yankees are going to push really hard to get home field advantage throughout October, and right now they're button heads with Houston to have it through. The, the AL playoffs and then, you know, keeping an eye on Dodgers uh, if they get to the World Series. So I'm interested yeah. to see how they manage the bullpen, how they manage the starters going down the stretch. You had a piece today. Uh, I have been working now. I was working for nine or ten hours today uh, that I have not gotten a chance to read it yet. But it's I a good one. Don't worry. <laughs> What'd you say? It's it's really good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I will be sure to read it after uh, after we record here tonight. But you know, you you could get into that now a little bit if you want. I, I saw some storylines to um, 
happen in September to watch uh, with the Yankees in September, granted that they're 11 games up on the division. You know, some fans might not think these games matter, but, you know, these games do. I think they really want home field. Yeah, and that, that was one of the pieces I uh, parts of the piece I wrote today too was the home field and the starting pitching health. So we've kind of hit on everything I wrote about today. So it, we'll follow that along in September. You know, what there's you know, you know, twenty seven games left here in the season, um, and then and the Yankees will be uh, interesting to watch from from a different aspect um, after they they finally clinch their their AL East uh, division title here. You mentioned a big horse, and there's been no bigger horse the past week than that than that of Aaron Judge. You know, the same guy that people wanted bench, the same guy that said that 2017 was the biggest fluke of all time and all this bullshit here. Well, Aaron Judge, the only good thing to come out of Oakland was Aaron Judge pulled an absolute bomb of a home run on, on August 20th. Since then, the man's been on fire. He was batting 260 at one point in Oakland. He is now up to 277, and he's got... Four, five home runs of the last six days, if you included tonight, uh, today's bomb um, in Seattle here. When we, Sam, a week, a week and a half ago, we were talking, saying, "Wow, Aaron Judge only has one home run the entire month of August, a month that we know the Yankees love hitting on." The Yankees broke the record. They have, the Yankees have seventy home runs this month here, but and Aaron so Judge has games to go with games to go, and but Aaron Judge has caught fire. Hit a home run every game versus the Dodgers, and then two home runs. Versus Seattle here. Uh, the, the big man is, looks like he has figured it out, and he is hitting the ball a long way, a long way, including pull, pulled home runs, something he didn't do all year. Um, if Aaron Judge is finally getting healthy, and we, we've kind of both alluded that he may not have been the healthiest person coming back here, and an oblique injury is something that's tough to come 100% back on, but if he's coming back fully healthy for, for September, he's got 18 home runs now. He might still get 30 this year, which we thought was impossible, and then hopefully be red hot going into the playoffs here. But but Judge, completely different player from two weeks ago to past week. I mean, just a 180. And the first thing you have to look at is the stance change that he's made in the last couple of weeks. The bat's more behind his helmet. His knees are bent a little bit more. And he's just getting around quicker to the ball. And that's a big reason why I think he's pulling the home runs. And the the interview in Oakland post game, they asked him, I don't know which <laughs> reporter it was. They said, um, you, "You pulled the ball tonight. Uh, how does that feel?" He was like, "Why does that matter?" He was like, "If if, if they're going out, like, what what why does it matter?" And they're they're um, going out now. Oh, they're going out out the one today that he hit uh, against seattle out there was just a titanic shot i mean that that thing must have had 200 feet in the air i don't know <laughs> but the first the first thing you have to look at like i said is the change in the stance and it is a very very noticeable change that bat is more down it's more behind his head and, and he's bending his knees a lot more maybe to get to those lower pitches that these umpires are calling on him Anyway, it has been great to see him be a totally different player. And I was thinking last week, if he does not turn this around, is there title number 28 in the Bronx? But I think those questions have been put to bed because he is on an absolute tear right now. He is. And he got his 100th home run in his his 371st game. And that was an absolute bomb. That was a first inning home run off dead center 
off the, uh, the the hitter's eye there. Um, and th- those are the kind of bombs that we really haven't been seeing. We've been seeing the opposite field power, which we both love because he just shows how strong he is. He just flips his wrist and the ball goes 400 feet opposite field here. But when he gets the full torque and, and really lets one go, um, it was big to see. And, and that's what the Yankees really need uh, there. So I guess I meant 100th home run for him, 100th home run also for Gary Sanchez, who did it even quicker than, than Aaron Judge here. And then another home run versus uh, Justice Sheffield this Wednesday afternoon. Gary Sanchez is looking good too. And I'm, I'm going to take a little credit here. Gary's been playing a little more DH um, given all the injuries the Yankees have. And I, I said that he's been playing too much catcher when he got into that slump and right before he went on the DL for the second time this year that I think playing catcher too often ha- has hurt him a little bit. And now he's gotten the chance to DH a little bit and, and, and the powers come back. 30 bombs for for L. Gary here. Um, just a tremendous bounce back year too after you know really struggling last year. He did hit 18 home runs, but batted only one 180. His average is still under 240. But uh, you know Gary Sanchez is going to hit 40 home runs here as a catcher, um, and it got to 100 home runs even quicker than, than Aaron Judge. Both just behind uh, Ryan Howard, who somehow did it without a juice ball in 325 games. <laughs> Yeah, Gary is back from the DL, and he is hitting bombs. And like we said, we've said a lot of the times, uh, Gary DHing could be a big deal. Because from when Encarnacion was acquired to when he went on the DL in on August, or excuse me, on July 23rd, span of about six weeks, he only DH'd five times. And I'm interested to see, we talk about the workload of the starting pitchers and the uh, relief pitchers going down the stretch. I'm interested to see the workload of Gary Sanchez. Yeah. And are they going to keep him at, at DH? The Yankees have a lot of reinforcements returning in the near future. We've gotten updates on, since we last recorded on a lot of these players. Luke Voigt is, has to be nearing the end of his rehab. He'll assignment. be back this weekend. He's played several games in Scranton. Giancarlo Stanton is expected to rejoin the team in mid-September. And then you have Edwin Encarnacion, who this weekend, three weeks after breaking his wrist, has resumed baseball activities, which is a huge, huge thing. I I mean, with the broken wrist, I expected baseball activities in five or six weeks. But then he's resuming baseball activities three weeks after a broken wrist is absolutely huge. So the Yankees have a lot of these DH candidates coming back. And I'm interested to see maybe Gary gets some of September off. If the Astros fall off, if the Dodgers fall off, I don't know. We don't even know how important home field advantage is to the Yankees. But down the stretch here, I think one guy who's going to be DHing or or maybe sitting – um, a lot in general is Gary Sanchez. Just that they want him fresh for October because uh, they really need that bat in the lineup. And a, a shout-out to him today. Two absolute bullets yeah. to get the runner at second. I mean, just beautiful throws. LeMahieu letting the ball travel and slapping the tag right on the runner. Yeah, so and that's what I wanted to – Two-run Titanic shot and throwing out two runners in one All game. around. That's off a day. We got, the, we got the Gary experience before the fourth inning ended. He had those two cannons um, in the first three innings here and then the home run two in the first inning. And that's kind of what I was alluding to. I don't want Gary Sanchez to become a DH at all. I just need him to kind of it, 
get those, still get those key at bats, um, but kind of you know lessen the strain on his overall body so that he is ready to to do that on both sides of the ball because Gary Sanchez is extremely important to the Yankees in the lineup, but just as important behind the plate. He calls a good game and he has that cannon and that could you know get rid of a run game in the playoffs. And if he's tired back there, that can slow his pop time just a little bit. That can slow his miles per hours on that rocket arm just a little bit, and that can be the difference uh, of safer out for on a stolen base here. Um, so that, that's kind of what I mean by like the being DH guy. Because I think we, we, he's not going to DH in the playoffs. Gary Sanchez will be behind the plate in the playoffs. But in September, I, we, I agree with you. I take give him the extra day off here and there. Have him DH like he did. He DH the first two games in Seattle before returning behind the plate here. Have more of those scenarios. I think could be a huge difference for, for keeping Gary fresh and getting you know, some, it is throughout his whole career. I mean, Gary Sanchez could be a guy that gets 500 home runs from the catcher's position as long as his body holds up uh, over the course of the long, long career. Yeah, you're right about that, Steve. And, you know, looking down the line, you have Judge, Stanton, Sanchez. Maybe these guys, these guys are going to need a lot of time at DH or, dare I say, one of them moves to first base at some point in their careers. Years um, away, though. Years away, years and years away, but. I think you're going to see a lot of DHing or maybe Gary days off down the stretch. And I totally trust Boone to handle this situation uh, and have him fresh for October. But because like you said, a little bit of soreness really could affect that pop time by just, you know, a hair of a second, but a hair of a second is what a lot of these stolen bases that have good throws come down to at the end of the day. So I, I really think we're going to see a limited, role of Gary in September and it's just so amazing to me he's spent you know a, a little more than a month combined on the DL this year he's got 30 home runs despite that from the catcher's position <laughs> yeah. still got the big the big 3-0 and I'm glad that he hit that mark here and you know you know Gary August Gary is kind of what we've been saying for for years about getting him ready uh, for for August here, but now it's got to continue into September, Gary, and hit the forty mark. Let's get another ten bombs for Gary and get the big four zero. Um, another guy just collecting home runs that we definitely have not talked about on this podcast all year is is big old Mike Ford. Mike Ford, hey, he he did not have it. He got he was I was not in on him. I got it. You know his swing. I got it. I understood. Occasionally he'll get a hold of one, but just like Aaron Judge, since coming to Oakland. The guy has got the opportunity to play and, and taking it advantage of it every day. He has six home runs this West Coast trip. Two, um, I'm sorry, three versus Seattle because he had another one today. Uh, he had two uh, in a solo game on the 26th versus Seattle. The guy's got seven of his nine home runs are off left-handed hitter, left-handed pitchers. This guy's a lefty, and he normally would never be playing versus lefties in the big leagues. But because of all the injuries here, uh, like you said, we mentioned the Voight and Encarnacion injuries. Voight kind of comes up as that extra body. We'll have DJ LeMayu play first most of the time, blah, blah. But, oh, but Mike Ford's doing ridiculously well. He's now got his average up to 229. At one point, Mike Ford was hitting 150 in the majors. Like, this was not a guy that, you know, the, the Mike Ford experiment was over. And now, all of a sudden, he's one of the hottest hitters in baseball. And when you mention who's going to play first, you, you know, a lot of guys are going to be coming back. Keep in mind, rosters expand to 40 men yeah. on Sunday. So the, the, uh, These guys will stay here, and it'll be interesting to see the, the playing time. I mean, Mike Ford's not going to be on a playoff roster at all, but the guy's hitting home runs left and right. 
it's great to see. And my favorite thing about his swing is you see him lean back for that launch angle. Uh, yeah. And his shot today was a towering home run. A lot of these Yankees home runs in Seattle were, were high, high home runs, which, you know, those are the prettiest ones to see. But, you know, the pride of Princeton, and, you know, he was a Rule 5 pick by the Mariners. He, he was returned um, to the Yankees. But, uh, I mean, it is great to see. It, it, it's just an X-man-up mentality. I mean, you know, the Yankees down to their fourth string, first baseman and you know he's hitting fifth, bombs don't forget Greg right. Bird fifth string for his baseman at this point <laughs> <laughs> you look at Sunday I mean it, it was a game he didn't even start he came in when Didi was hit on the shoulder and, and he hits a home run and then has like a not eight or nine pitch at that in his you know in the later innings and hit a home run off of Clayton field. Kershaw yeah like it was just he just hit a home run like he came in Face Clayton Kershaw, an absolute Hall of Famer, and a game that he didn't start, and then goes Yabo. I mean, I don't know how he's doing it. I don't know how any of these Yankees have been doing it all year. But, uh, you know, good for Mike Ford. I mean, it's fun to watch him play. You know, that doesn't run the base as well. But like you said, he kind of turns those hips and gets that, leans back and gets that launch angle. And you, you know when he hits it that it's gone. Yeah, and then a great at-bat of him this week was what – made the game go from 4-1 to 5-1 on Sunday night, had a 7 or 8 pitch at bat, and then took a pitch down in the zone, shot it right to left field for an RBI double. I mean, this guy's a big, big dude, too. I mean, (laughs) mean, he is a wagon, and I I love watching him play. The pride of Princeton, uh, Princeton, New Jersey. I mean, just great to see this guy come up and do some really, really good things for the Yankees and down the stretch. And we, we always talk about in the last two years of the podcast, Steve, the Yankees have had so many issues with first base. Um, you go back to 2017, they were supposed to have Greg Bird uh, be the next big thing after his huge spring training. You know, he goes down. They go to Chris Carter. Eventually. Oh, God. They go to <laughs> – they go to G-Man Choi, uh, who was picked up off waivers from God knows where, and then Bird comes back later in 2017. And then last year, uh, after Bird is hurt in spring training, it's just total hot potato at first base. And then Voight comes uh, and really takes the reins last August, uh, around this time last year, actually. And then this year, when Voight goes down, you know, LeMayhew, they traded for Encarnacion, to have a second string first baseman within the um, within the organization who has come out and done this has not been a thing in the last three years. No, it's been crazy, and it's it's you know it's a spot that I feel like we, everybody's like, oh, we can all, everybody can play first base type thing, and uh, you know the defense for some of these guys hasn't been great. That's why we think you know who knows what the postseason lineup could look like. I mean, there's if everybody's healthy. It's going to be really tough to see who's playing first base. You know, it's going to you know, could it could be Lemayu, it could it be Void, could it be Encarnacion? If Stanton's back, if, does he play DH? And that means one of those two, two of those guys are on the bench. Could there be a scenario where Void and Encarnacion are both bench players for the Yankees in the playoffs? Um, and I think that was that'd be pretty crazy, but also a good problem to have. There, I think the Yankees playoff lineup is going to be different every night, depending on how the previous night went, who the next pitcher is, what the matchups are. So it's going to be something I think. When you get into the playoffs, you kind of expect 
the exact same lineup every game. You know, maybe a small change for one game if you lose like two in a row or something like that. But for the Yankees, you could be looking at seven or eight different lineups across, you know, 10 games if you, in the playoffs. Yeah, you're right. And, and this roster is so deep. And with 25, with, with the only allowed to have 25 men on the roster in the playoffs, obviously, they're going to have some tough decisions to make. Mabin or Talkman. You know, is Didi going to be playing every day in the playoffs with, with you know, Urshela, LeMahieu uh, re- re- really stepping up? So, but what's, this is what's all gonna, gonna, you know, Mabin, Talkman, and Gardner. Like, they're, they're, the outfield's huge. Like, you can't have all three of those on the playoff roster. It's taking up too many spots. And it's it's a good problem to have at the end of the day. And, you know, people are going to be ripping Boone for whatever he does. And Cashman especially. I think Cashman obviously plays a huge part in this oh, decision, the yeah. playoff roster. I think he has the final call. Um, it will be really interesting to see. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be very interesting. But it, at the end of the day, it's a good problem to have. We talk, we've talked about this a lot over the last three years. The Yankees have a surplus of talent within the organization so much that, you know, guys like this year, Clint Frazier in the minors, Tyro Estrada has come up and done a lot of great things. He's in the minors. It's a good problem to have at the end of the day. Sam, we can live in a world where Mike Talkman gets benched in a playoff game and people freak out. <laughs> like people are going to be mad if Mike Talkman isn't starting a playoff game. Like that's, that's going to be bananas. And I think, you know, for him to play, it's going to be a lot depend on, you know, what happens with Aaron Hicks. He kind of has been the, the one guy that we don't really have a set timeline or update. Um, but if Hicks doesn't go, you know, you can see Talkman playing, being our center fielder for the Yankees in the playoffs. And that's that's another wild scenario that, you know, we'll have to see play out in September. Um, Sam, I mentioned the home runs already. Like I said, 70 home runs with a couple games to go in August is bananas. That it obviously shatters the record for most home runs in a month um, and the Yankees, because of that, are closing in here. So a little of the home run, uh, Yankee home run tracker here. The Yankees have done some serious work. They now, if you include Wednesday's games, have 250 home runs on the year. That is only four home runs back of the Minnesota Twins. The Yankees have played two more games in the Twins at this point, so that could obviously change. But the Yankees are right there nipping on the heels of the Twins for this, this Major League record. The Major League record is 267 going to be absolutely demolished by both of these teams. Um, and so there will be a new leader here. So I'm going to add the twins to my home run tracker uh, tweets every night starting in September, because by then that's going to be the new record and we can get rid of the old record here. Um, that puts the Yankees at a 299 pace. The twins are still over that pace. Um, they're, at, they're on pace for, I think about 308. So it's going to be pretty crazy year for, for baseball here, but fun to watch. Shockingly still, Labor Torres leads the Yankees in home runs with 33. You know, we talk about these guys like Gary and Judge reaching 100 yards, 100 home runs quicker than ever. Labor Torres in two years is putting some damage down too. He won't be as close to those guys, but we could be talking 400, 425 games, and Labor Torres is going to have 100 home runs where some may have guessed that he may have never gotten to 100 home runs. They thought he was, you know, 10, 15 home run power. So pretty crazy for Glaber there. Gary still with the longest home run at 481 feet, but he's had some contenders. I thought Judge was going to get him in in, in uh, Oakland. I thought that was going to be four 490. It ended up being only 462, but some absolute bombs this week. Um, it's, it's I don't know. It's crazy. We got to start paying attention already to breaking the record with the Twins and the Yankees. Um, you would have thought like 250 with a few games to go. We thought we'd be talking about September, not not August. 
Yeah, and this just shows to the testament that the ball is out of control right now in the MLB. Steve, it's a, it's a tennis ball. See, and I, I, I know we're going a little bit off topic here. Did you happen to see the Josh Donaldson home run uh, yes. against the Mets? The, the fly this ball that never a, came down. <laughs> did you see that Ahmed Rosario from shortstop was going out to left field for that home run, <laughs> yeah. thinking that he had a chance on the ball? <laughs> I, mean, I did. It was absolutely – that whole scenario was great because Donaldson, I mean, saw that the thing, he was trying to get the, the Mets fan to give him some luck uh, before in the, the on-deck circle. The girl didn't give him any luck, as she shouldn't have. And then he goes and hits – well, there's a fly ball. I mean, how many times this year have we seen players get mad, like throw their bat down and put their head down, kind of like Paul O'Neill-esque, and then realize that the ball went over the fence? And then the announcers are caught by such surprise. I was watching Jason Kittness last night. Um, and shout out to the Juice Ball Exposed account on yeah. Twitter. I mean, that's one of my favorite follows. And Kittness, you know, did kind of a half swing at Comerica Park. Keep in mind, not probably one of the hardest ballparks to leave in all of baseball. And the announcers go in like, and Kittness hits that to left field. Back goes Reyes, still back, and that one gets out of here. Like, I mean, it's just out of control. And since we're on the topic of the juice ball, since these home run records are going to be broken every year, my opinion on this is I am not a juice ball person. I saw some people tweeting this, oh, juice ball, more home runs. I mean, why are you complaining about that? I really hate seeing these balls go off the end of the bat or, or right in on the hands and ended up 410 feet over the fence. Yeah, I, I could be like if there's a middle ground. Can we find a ball that's not um, what it was last year but not this year? Is there like a middle ground ball, like a little hybrid ball? Because I still do love the home run, and it's great to see. Um, but it is going to be weird looking back, especially if they change it now or if they go they stick with this year. The numbers will be skewed the whole time, but it's uh, – I, I, I could go either way. I don't care. It is fun to see these fly balls go out. The good thing for the Yankees is, yes, they've benefited wildly from these. But at the same time, the Yankees, you know, DJ LeMayu had a 425-foot home run today. I don't care what ball you're using. That ball's going out of the ballpark. So I think the good thing is for the Yankees is to have guys like Judge and Sanchez where it doesn't matter if you're throwing like a, a you know, a round thing of mud out there. The Yankees are going to hit the ball over the fence. Um, so that's still good to see. And the Twins have been doing it all year. Kudos to them. But the Yankees are nipping on their heels. They're getting closer and closer each week as we do these updates. Um, and this is the closest they've been since, uh, you know, early you know, the first week of the season. It's like the Twins came out and hit like seven home runs in one of the first games of the year. But only four back here. So that if you want to have some fun and, you know, not look at, you know, these games with the Yankees with a huge lead here, just hope for the Yankees to win every game like 8-7 and, hit like you know, hit six, seven home runs a game. And so they could pass the Twins and keep the record in New York. Yeah, you're right about that. But, I mean, yeah, this ball is just out of control. And as I said earlier, we're going to see this record being broke every single year, uh, I, I think. I mean, it's it's just getting absurd to, to what this is getting to right now. But I'm excited to see the rest of the year um, how, you know, the competition between the Yankees and the Twins – I'm not going to mention the beat writer's name who tweeted this because he doesn't deserve attention for such a stupid, stupid tweet. But it's amazing <laughs> that the Yankees are so ahead of their pace, getting only 19 home runs now combined from Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge. 
It is. It's, you would never have guessed that. I mean, you would never have guessed, you know, having these, you know. But the Yankees have made it up. If you kind of combine what, what, what Talkman, Mabin, and, and all these guys have, it, it's kind of would add up to Stan. But it is it is weird that to see that John Carlos Stan has one home run. He's got the same amount of home runs this year as Tyler Wade. And so hopefully Stan comes back here and gets some games under his belt and, you know, gets over the, the five home run mark uh, would be something. I Because that would be kind of – it would be ironic to see how that happens um, so we'll see how he's getting live at bats soon in Tampa. And he's not going to be able to play any minor league games. By the time he's ready for live game action, it's going to be Yankees or bust because uh, the minor leagues will be done by then. So we'll see. Hopefully we'll see some, uh, see some of Stanton in this final stretch. Um, speaking of, like I said, Yankees are off Thursday. Then the Oakland A's come back to the Bronx here. Hopefully the Yankees get a little redemption um, for that series that won't be mentioned earlier this week here. But three games Versus Oakland, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then uh, Texas comes to town uh, before the final series versus the Red Sox. Uh, it, it is Labor Day weekend, so be sure to be watching these. You know, go out, have fun. And with the Yankees having a huge lead, you don't need to be glued to the TV, I don't think, for all these games. But what are we looking for here versus, uh, versus Oakland and, and Texas? You know, redemption. Oakland's a yeah. scorching hot team right now. Um, you, you know, just – contain them take two or three and then against texas um you know it's kind of weird i feel like the yankees struggle with the rangers a lot of the time uh, last year they took two or three from texas and the bronx uh they end up finishing the season in texas which is all always a tough place to play for the yankees it feels like but you know just keep playing how they're playing uh, the A's are not insurmountable. They're, they're a very different team away from home. So, you know, just keep playing how the Yankees are playing. And the Yankees in this series won't have their two best pitchers, but it, it's going to be Herman will be pitching this weekend. Uh, unfortunately, Hap will be pitching, and uh, we're going to get some CC action as well. So I'm looking at two or three from the A's and, and you know, sweep the Rangers. Uh, they have some offensive firepower down there in Texas, but it's crazy you know, that we haven't played Texas yet this year. Like th- this has got to be the latest in the season that you're playing a team. Like how have we not played the Rangers this year? I know we, we only play them six times, but it's pretty weird that it's uh that we play them both in in, in September. So that's that's that'll be new just to see a new team. We haven't seen the Rangers play all year, so let's pay attention to that. And we will see uh, Tuesday. We get to see Lance Lynn. You know, former Yankee legend here who's actually had himself a really nice year. So I'm looking forward to that matchup. Uh, on Tuesday of next week, you have Paxton versus, versus Lynn. It seems like Paxton seems to be getting all these uh, interesting matchups here that kind of date back to the Yankees. He had, he said, Justice Sheffield on, on Wednesday, and now his next start is going to be versus, uh, versus uh, Lance Lynn. So that's the one I'm focusing on uh, this week in these six games. Yes, it's going to be interesting, you know. Paxton had the opener out in L.A. where he faced off against Ryu, arguably the best pitcher in the National League, and he outdueled him. So I'm looking forward to seeing Lance Lynn, you know. I miss – I know he wasn't the greatest, but Lance Lynn, a big guy like me, uh, he reminded me of myself when I was pitching out there. So uh, I loved what he did with the Yankees. Um, or he, he was decent with the Yankees, but I'm happy that he's found success down in Texas and got himself a nice deal to go with it. Three years, thirty million, no state income tax too. They, yeah, I think a lot of people were surprised at the size of the deal he got, um, but he's proved it. He's pitched really well, so we'll pay attention to that. 
Um, and hopefully you guys will keep paying attention to us. I appreciate it. Um, it's been a, it's been a fun season as we head into the final month. Um, we'll record after after the holiday break. So be safe. Have fun on this Labor Day. Um, and, and keep listening to us. Be sure to check out Gotham SN for all New York sporting news. Uh, football is around the corner. Giants and Jets both got plenty of things going on and heading into the final um, preseason game as we get ready for the 2019 season. And uh, the, the Mets are doing stuff that the Mets are doing. So there's plenty going on in New York here. So thanks for listening to everybody and uh, have a safe holiday. Sam, always a pleasure, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Steve, quick, home run of the week. Home run, oh, Aaron Judge pulling the ball. Aaron Judge pulling the ball. I'm going LeMayhew leading off against the Dodgers. There you go. That's two good, two good ones. LeMayhew a little more important, but I think the Judge one has uh, kind of reignited his, uh, his home run spirit a little bit as he's hitting uh, five home runs in the past six games. But both good. I love it. All right, Steve. Talk to you next week. Toodles. See you, bud.